I'm so great to have you here. Yeah, just excited about this morning and the next few minutes together, and so great to see all of you. Um, as you may notice, a lot of our students are away. There is a Power to Change uh, a retreat this weekend, and many of them are away traveling, and I know last week was great. Uh, Heather and I were away last week, but heard great things just around. Wanted to make sure just to bring uh, some of the college students into the flow of what's happening here and sharing some of the things that God is doing, because it's much more vast than even sometimes what we see on a, on a Sunday morning, and so really thankful for them in just uh, sharing last week and excited about what God's stirring and doing and what those uh, what those kids kids you know you're getting old when you start calling university students kids you know what I'm talking about 40s coming quick it's good Um, uh, just uh, just really excited about what God's doing within that community for sure so here's the plan You know, we're kind of peering in our themes and teaching stuff from here all the way up to Easter, and the plan is this. We're going to talk about, over the next, you know, three months or so, up and through Epiphany, because this is the third Sunday of Epiphany, all the way into Lent. We're going to talk about a theology of money for the next few weeks, a theology of work. We're going to talk, uh, leading into the Lenten season, a theology of sex. And then at the end, we're going to talk about a theology of the body, which I am particularly excited about as we talk about our bodies as Jesus followers. And we talk about some things that connect with our bodies in the sense of we are bodies, we just don't have bodies. The connection of resurrection, where the world and where Jesus is taking the world is not floating spirits somewhere out there. It's actually in a resurrected body. And so in the meantime, our bodies actually matter. We'll talk about trauma as part of that and how our brains are connected to the body and what the scriptures say about this. Does the Bible inform us in this and speak to this? So I'm really excited over the next bunch of weeks to kind of give us some broad ideas around what the Bible is leading us to. And these are things, honestly, that there's quite, these questions are alive and active in our communities. Really excited to engage in them over the next little while. So let's start with money. (laughs) Maybe that's why half the people stayed home this morning. We put that out on, uh, put that out on Instagram this week. And maybe that was a bad idea yesterday to say, hey, we're going to talk about money and generosity. And everybody's like, no. So many of you know my story. I was very much like that. Um, what, what is it now? Almost 12 years ago or whatever, when we started this community, I was jaded as kind of a young, kind of newer pastor, kind of stepping into a lead role in church plant. I was very jaded around money. Um, I had had some experiences. I had seen some things in the church. If you grew up in the church, maybe you've seen these things too where there were just a lot of questions uh, around money and the church and how it all comes together to the point where if you were there in the early days, since some of you were there in the early days, we rarely talked about money at all as of kind of like an avoidance in my own life. And the tide has turned for me though where even this week, I'm a little excited to talk about this because I think we've been on our own journey as far as money and what it means for us as a community. But I also think when we dial into the life of what Jesus actually leads us in here, it's actually really, really beautiful. And 
So, you know, you know, you know most, of us, most of you, you know, like, we actually make it hard here. We don't talk a lot about money. We don't pass a basket around, right? Um, let's make it kind of clear this morning. I don't want your money, right? I, we don't want your money. Um, actually, turn to the person, and never do this, turn to the person next to you and just tell them that. Tell them Drew does not want your money. Okay, can we just say that for a second? All right. Many of you know that we... We almost, in a sense, for those of you that have been newer to the community, we almost make it harder, in a sense, to give, and that can be a good thing because we really want it to be a from an authentic place and space of generosity and our own hearts and lives, and this is something that uh, I've really grown in recently, and just the joy and freedom of this. Uh, I no longer despise kind of coming around this. It, it actually excites me. The other thing is, you guys know the way we've kind of set the community up here, and we'll talk more about this next week. This week, we're going to look at what Jesus says. Next week, we'll look more at the nuts and bolts of like church life and our own families and households and how this works. But you know, we've set things up here in a way where we get to talk about this really freely and joyfully. Are you with me? We've actually been good stewards and now even in the co-vocational kind of multi-vocational space of our own team and how we look at money as a church team and all that, it's actually really, really beautiful. So I'm excited. And, and you know, I was interesting. I was, I was uh, talking to a pastor a couple of weeks ago um, and he was kind of, he was kind of a little on edge and talking about his church community. One of the things he was talking about is he was talking about the idols that people kind of have in their lives, right? Like... He was talking about how work for many people is an idol, and he was kind of frustrated that people weren't coming to church and getting involved and whatnot. And those, those concerns and those frustrations are real at times for sure, but it was funny. I went to his website and realized that he was also in a campaign to raise a lot of money to kind of retrofit his church. And I thought, such an interesting dynamic, right? Like, Oftentimes, pastors and churches want your money, but they also pin work and what you do and what we do against each other. And so that's kind of the vision of what we want to do. We don't want to pin them against each other, but we want to talk about these things over the next five or six weeks, how money and work and how this works together. That you and I are actually created to work and do good in the world, and part of that involves money. And I feel like I'm at the Mandarin restaurant. It's it's so good. I don't know. It's great. I feel like it should be going to like, you hear that? It's soothing. It's nice. I don't know where it's coming from. Do you know where it's coming? Hey, bring it on. It's great. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just like any distraction we can get. Some of you are like, you're going to be like thinking about, I don't know, rice and chicken at the buffet. Um, um, where was I? Help me out here. It doesn't matter. If you want to open your Bibles with me, open up to Matthew chapter 6, where we're going to start. As we're just going to look at what Jesus says, and I think it's important to go straight to the source. We have looked at this, you guys know this, we have looked at this passage often, but we want to look at, you know, the call of Jesus, and you know, it's an interesting time right now, obviously, in some of the fear around the financial situation we find ourselves in the developed world, especially of interest rates and the housing bubble and all sorts of things. What do we do as followers of Jesus with our stuff? 
I've been fascinated, um, and many of you know this, in my own reading uh, of guys like Rodney Stark, uh, who talks about the early Christian church, Tom Holland, no, not Spider-Man, another Tom Holland, who is actually a secular writer who really walked through the, the, the early history of the early Christians. I think of Alan Crider, other theologians that have written, and basically my synopsis would be is that, and this is just me kind of summarizing, that really one of the things, two of the things that kind of upended and really saw the church, upended culture and saw the church move forward in the Roman world was two things the church was doing. How they were using their bodies was completely different to the culture around them. Crazy when you look at like what was going on in Greco-Roman culture and how the church called the, the community to this place of faithfulness and joy together in marriage and how they used their stuff. Uh, in a world that was very, like, just the disparity between rich and poor in the Roman world and all that would go on and how the lower classes were treated, the church came along and they took the teachings of Jesus very, very seriously. No need among you. And they used their stuff and their resources in really, really beautiful ways. And it really upended things. This little sect, this little community of people, a lot of them just thinking this is a break off of Judaism exploded around the Roman world so that you know by the time we get to Constantine later on, a couple hundred years later, it is the prominent religion in the world. And there's good and bad with that, right? But this little group expanding around the world. And I think they honestly took Jesus' words here seriously. So let's read them. You with me? Uh, Matthew six nineteen. this is what Jesus says. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust, some of your versions say vermin, I think, which is an awesome word, uh, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves, what? Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then Jesus says this, this classic line, for where your treasure is, there what? Your heart will be also. So this may be news to you. In the first century, there were no banks. <laughs> there were no safety deposit boxes. Literally, a lot of times in the first century and in the ancient world, you would take your treasure and what people would often do, you know, you think of uh, grandpa and grandma who would put like their money under the mattress, right? In the ancient world, you dig a hole oftentimes, you'd bury a hole in the ground, you'd find a cave, and that is where you put your stuff in the first century in the ancient world. Literally showing space where your things, your investment could rot and destroy. And, you know, valuables were coins and articles of clothing in that day. Um, an average a man or woman would have one pair of clothes. And honestly, when you bury your treasure, it is susceptible to rust and to moth. So what Jesus is actually saying here hits the people as they listen, as he teaches off the mountain right to their hearts. Now here's what, and you've maybe heard some of these points, but I think we need to remind ourselves, even if you've been around the community since the beginning, of a couple of really important things. Because one of the things that happens here when Jesus says that we're to store our treasures up in heaven, we are shaped very much by a Western idea of heaven, right? So heaven is what? For most, honestly, most of us in our culture, heaven is this far-off place. You go when you die. For most of us, we think 
heaven is kind of future tense. And so the classic with this is, is Jesus says, store your treasures up in heaven. And so what we need to be doing, brothers and sisters, is thinking about eternity, not now. Think about the future and your life and eternity. But what Jesus is not saying is he's not saying about the, the kind of the present. Now, I'm all for thinking forward, and I do think eternity is a thing, absolutely. But I don't think this is what Jesus is actually talking about here. Many of us thought this is what it's been said. Be wise, right? Give to the church because your treasure is in heaven. It's someday in the future. The problem is, and some of you know this, with the book of Matthew in particular, Matthew, and this is the beauty of the Gospels, Matthew was writing to a particular audience with his Gospel. We have four Gospels. They're written. Some of the stories are the same. There's variations of stories, different types of writing. Mark was a Roman, kind of writing to that kind of audience. And we could talk about this all day, but the important thing to know is, is with Matthew, he's writing to a religious, devout community of Jewish people, and they would not even use the word Yahweh or God. They would not write it out. Literally, if you can think in English, what they would do, these devout Jews, is they would write like G-D to avoid writing this holy name of God. And so Matthew when he writes, would always interchange God with, what do you think he interchanged it with? Heaven. If you actually read through, I, I encourage you to do it. How often you hear the word heaven in the Gospel of Matthew is intentional because he's writing to a particular um, audience and trying to kind of bridge the gap in trying to show them who the Messiah is. And kingdom of heaven ultimately meant kingdom of God. Now, does that change things? Validate me a little. That changes things. Nod your head a little bit. That changes things because we're not, when we talk about heaven, when you read heaven here, it's not talking about some far-off place you go when you die. It's talking about storing our treasures up in God. Now, Judah, you fail, buddy. No, no lunch for you. No lunch. No. You're just, again, I need all this validation. I'm, I'm, a, I'm partly a pastor, man. You've got to build my ego, and you're just making me feel like a failure. It's so bad. I love you. Okay, okay, okay. You're thinking about butter chicken, are you? Okay, we'll see how that goes. Lay up for your treasures in heaven can be translated, lay up your treasures in God. And I think actually that is like the first thing out of all that Jesus is saying. We just need to take a hold of and realize like this is for what we do with our stuff and our money and our resource and everything that we have is for here and now. All of us have an option in the room to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth now, lay them in things, the kingdom of this world, certainly. I don't want to sound like the idol guy pastor, but I think there's tension here in that. And there's a huge call here that we can lay up our treasures, what we have in God now. The kingdom, guys, this is why, like, this is why I love the church and am so bought into this and just am beaming with life for this because we just live so differently and what we're a part of, the kingdom of God represented in the church, flesh and blood together, is so different and we get to store and active and participate and play right now. It's actually really really beautiful. You follow me? So if you're reading Matthew, just remember, sometimes when it's God, we're not, or sorry, heaven, when it talks about heaven, we're not talking about necessarily something in the future. Now please hear me. Heaven is in the future as well. It's in the present, but it's also in, in the future. God's space and human space will come back together in a great union. 
And the reason why we're talking about money and kind of work together is because I actually think everything we do and are will bleed into that life and we will work and we will live in a renewed world. And so heaven and earth are coming back together. But I also think this changes the way we think about how we use our stuff because it's talking about the now. You with me? Okay, so then Jesus keeps going. He says this, and this is really interesting language. Again, for, in English, there's like a bit of disparity here. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. It goes on. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, for some of us, we're like the eye, like if I have a healthy eye, like you're thinking eyesight, and obviously this is not what Jesus is saying. In Hebrew, the eye was a euphemism for how you stewarded and handled money. This was actually, the eye was kind of like the metaphor in that culture. If you had a good eye, right, you had a good eye, it meant that you stewarded and handled money well. And so if you were healthy, you were generous, if you weren't greedy or stingy, uh, people would say you have a good eye. But if you were greedy and stingy, people would say you have an unhealthy or evil eye. And so Jesus is getting to the point here that the eye literally is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, the whole body is full of light. And I think what Jesus is getting at here is just the depth. And I think we know this in this room, that how we handle our money and the type of life that we enter into with the things we have, it affects the entire body. It affects our entire lives. You with me? How we actually steward our stuff and our money actually gives a good vision and picture of how all of life goes. And I was thinking about this this week, you know, um, as I get older, there's some people I really look up to, um, followers of Jesus who are older, who honestly I would love to be like as I grow older and I follow Jesus more and longer. And I got thinking about a couple people this week and just how those are the people that are generous and use their stuff for good. And it's amazing that you know, as Jesus talks about a healthy eye, I look at these people. These people have a healthy eye, and it affects the entire life. That actually the stewardship of stuff actually flows out of their life, and all of life then begins to show um, what it means to steward under the rule and reign of God. And this is the type of people we want to be. And I would actually say it's, it's very much true for church communities. When a church community has an, a, a healthy eye and how it stewards and works with its resources, I think all of the church life begins to benefit from that. You following me? Jesus' call for his followers is to like kind of live and kind of lean into having a healthy eye, that it, it affects all of life. And I love the conversation right now because I'm around some educators, play hockey with quite a few educators, and the, the talk right now is, and there's educators in the room as well, obviously, just how we have been devoid a little of like teaching about some of these things in school, like money management and stuff, and to hear kind of like the secular world talk about like the need for, and some of you are in this world as well, just investing in like how to actually think appropriately about our stuff. I just, my mind goes back to Jesus. If you're healthy in this area, the whole body is full of light. If we're healthy in this area, 
our whole lives begin to kind of flow in the way of God, and there's benefits from it. So, heaven means God, storing up treasures in heaven or, or in God right now. The eye is the way we handle money. When that is healthy, our entire lives benefit. Then Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then Jesus' classic saying, You cannot serve God and money. The word here for serve is actually the interchangeable word in the New Testament that we use for worship. Jesus is talking about worship here. You either worship God or you worship money. And he knew in that particular time, and just think about our moment now, how prevalent the worship of money actually was. How prevalent the worship of status and accumulating and letting that become a status thing in that culture. I mean, we see this today in our moment. You know, it's fascinating here. Not only is, should the word heaven be interchanged for God, but in English it says you can't serve God and money, which is a, a good translation. But if you actually read it in the Greek translation, it says you can't serve God and mammon. The literal word in the text is mammon. And mammon to the Hebrew community was more than money. It was the spiritual force at the back end of money and craving for things and stuff. This is actually mammon was a god that would have been known in this culture. And it is the only time in the New Testament scriptures that Jesus actually mentions or names a rival god. And what is it? The rival God is money. This is the one thing that Jesus dials into. And you know this, you're, la you're probably thinking, uh, just in our own moment right now, the God of money, that Jesus actually names it and speaks to it and says, you can't serve both of these things. You either serve me and my kingdom and you follow me or you follow the ways of the world and you lean in and follow mammon. And so, obviously, this is unapplicable, right? No, nothing to see here, right? Let's move along. I'm very bad with sarcasm. <laughs> I think there's a lot here for us as people who follow the way of Jesus in 2023. And we go straight to the source. We're called to be people who store our stuff up in God. And one of the things all of us need to do here is, I think what comes with this is just an audit of how we steward, how we use our stuff. For some of us, we just, in this moment, we need to kind of slow down a little and take note of what we do with our stuff. That we can't serve mammon and God, and we need to store our stuff up in the way of Jesus in, in his kingdom. And so there's a few things I think Jesus would say to us as he talks about money on the mountain. One is that our hearts always go where we put our money, right? And we've talked a lot about this over the years. But the beautiful thing about this, it's just a heart issue, right? Where I put my heart, where I put my money is where my heart is. 
you know, so much like just, we can talk about things and say we like and do things, but the fact is, and this is really actually daunting because I'd be really worried to do this, but if you were to put, put up my bank statement, like from the last couple weeks, like my personal bank statement, you would see where my heart is. You would realize that my office is right across the road from the Black Walnut, and that is a problem. Anybody with me? I'm in therapy just for what I spend at the Black Walnut because it's literally right across the street. I walk there every day. I've been told not to do this by my wife, but I just don't listen because I've got a really good marriage. Where you, if you were to put your statements up, it would just be a revealer of, of what we worship. And that's actually, I, I, would be re- I would be really hesitant to say this like 10 years ago. I actually think it's a beautiful and a joyful thing to remind us and draw us back to God's love and to his kingdom that is now and active and present, that where we put our stuff is what, what we worship. So I know the great kind of line is we, you know, kind of as Christians, we sing lies sometimes, right? We come into, even Heidi alluded, sometimes we can just say, sing these things. And I actually think sometimes that's okay. <laughs> Not that we sing lies, but that we continue to engage and sing and speak things. Sometimes we have a hard time even believing in our heart because I do believe it shapes us. But I also believe what Jesus is saying here is that it's evident in what we do, right? Praxis, this poieo, this, this leaning in, this practicing, this doing reveals what we actually believe, and that's a good thing. So our heart, as Jesus would say, always goes to where we put our stuff. And listen, we're going to talk about this during, uh, as we talk about work. You have interests and stuff. For some of you, it's very quirky. Um, for me, it's probably, probably think like, why does this guy love sports and certain things so much? I think actually in the right context, those things can be loved and can be, can be used in our lives. And I think actually God is interested in the things that we're interested in for the most part. And we'll talk about that when we talk about work. But ultimately, at the end of the day, our heart goes where we put our money. And then the second thing is just this. And we've been saying this for years. We have to break the stigma, and some of us grew up in environments where it was like you gave a certain percentage to the church, and we'll talk about this more next week. You know, you kind of gave a certain percentage to the church, and that was God's. And then you got to do whatever the heck you wanted to do with everything else. And that is not the story of Jesus, nor is it the story of the New Testament church. The radical thing we enter into as the church is everything belongs to God. Everything, every ounce, every dollar, every resource, your house, your car, everything we have, the clothes on your back, everything we have is God's. And the call in the New Testament is we get to steward this along the way. We get to, we get to be kind of conduits of God's resources in and through our, our lives. And so the shift needs to really shift towards everything we have is from God and is God's. And I would caution us a little bit, and we'll talk more about this next week, but caution from just saying, okay, this is what you got to do, and then you get to do whatever else you want to do with your stuff. I actually think that if Jesus is Lord, that, that mindset changes in us a little bit. Everything we have belongs to God, and we get to steward what, what we have for his kingdom, for his glory. And so with this, guys, honestly, with this, it's so relieving because I'm not here to kind of shake your pockets. There's no, I'm not, there's no jet we're trying to fill up with like jet fuel, all right? <laughs> right? And even the beauty of like uh, the simplicity of our own community, 
And I don't want to just push everything the next week, but there's a sense here, even as a community, the way we've set this thing up, we could take Jesus' words very seriously, not just as people, but as a community, and we could literally get to a place where there is no need among us. I speak of this freely because I think the hard work that's been done, but guys, this morning, Jesus wants our hearts. He wants, like, if you can hear anything, and I know we're all at different places and spaces, because if anybody is going to empathize right now with the moment we're in, and honestly, uh, even like practical things, like with some, you know, you're in your 20s, trying to own a house, early 30s, all of that, it is a very hard moment, absolutely, and we want to wrestle through these things as a community, but wherever you're at, you know, you're in your 40s, kind of looking to the next stage. Heather and I, we think about the next stage of our lives and growing kids, and it's different than when you're in college or university or your late 20s. It's just a, a different season, and that's beautiful. That's the beautiful thing about the church and community together. But if anything, that could speak to all of us that kind of sit in the room. God just wants our lives. He wants our hearts. He wants everything. And so instead of trying to shake pockets or trying to get you to do things, we just want to be reminded today Everything belongs to him. Let's open our, our lives up to what he wants to do in and through us. And I think part of that this morning is just taking a minute, kind of in the quietness of this morning, just to take an audit for a second of our own lives. And so I think this is a healthy thing that we can do, is just take a minute. Uh, why don't you close your eyes with me? And we're just going to, we've already come to the tables this morning. Um, but just take a moment, just close your eyes for a minute, and as we kind of end this morning, just open your life to God, His Spirit. Maybe it's just a simple asking of God's Spirit this morning. Where are you leading me? Where are you leading me, God?